0: This episode of the Bubble Lounge is sponsored by Kathy Wall State Farm Agency and ALTO, the new standard for ride sharing.
1: Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nelly Shudo and I'm Martha Jackson. And let's face it, odds are if you live in the bubble, you have a child. And today's topic, we're going to talk about those pregnancies and what we've all been through. And Martha,
0: how was your pregnancy? Well, the first one went really well until the very end and I had a little trouble on the last couple of weeks. But the second one was perfect because I had already had a C-section and when you have one, they always schedule for a second one. Mm -hmm. So we knew exactly what time he was going to come and exactly which day and so it was really quite easy. Well we almost died when I was pregnant so
1: but that's a story it all turned out great there's more of that to come Uh, we'll talk about that but really the biggest thing is we're all bombarded with all these books and all this advice when we're pregnant right how to be a healthy pregnant woman what to eat what not to do how to handle everything else but nobody talks to you about the actual delivery process
0: well and it's scary yeah it really is you know remember the book what to expect when you're pregnant yes and what to expect when you're expecting what to expect when you're expecting that's what it was called that's what I was thinking of I read that religiously. But you know what they don't have? They need to have a What to expect once you get to the hospital and in the delivery room. Exactly. Maybe we should write that. Exactly.
1: So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today we have on Dr. Stephanie Byerly. She's a board-certified anesthesiologist here in Dallas, and she specializes in high-risk pregnancies. And we're going to talk to her about all this and more, but before we do, I need you
0: to take out your cell phone and text us at 313131 with the keyword bubble, and every week we'll send you updates about what's going on on the show and when the episode comes out. But before we do that, it's time for Crazy Insurance Stories from the Park Cities with our good friend and show sponsor, Kathy Wall, State Farm Agency. Kathy, what do you have today?
2: About one year in the business, I was selling a lot of life insurance. A young couple made an appointment to discuss life insurance for their family, it was at, in the evening. As we were discussing their health and filling up their life insurance application, the wife started bragging about what great shape her husband was in physically, and then she asked him to take off his shirt. Before I could even react, that shirt was off, and she kept telling me to fill his muscles an interesting appointment, to say the least. So if you need life insurance, give me a call. And don't worry, you won't have to take off your shirt to show your muscles. In fact, I'd really almost appreciate you kept your shirt on.
0: Kathy, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't insure the Jacksons if you saw Sean without his shirt on. So whatever your insurance needs, please contact our good friend and show sponsor, Kathy Wall, State Farm Agency at 214-350-2692 or visit her website at KathyLwall.com. that's k-a-t-h-y l-w-a-l-l dot com thank you Kathy With Stephanie
1: Byerley, board certified anesthesiologist here in Dallas, and she specializes in high-risk pregnancies. Stephanie, welcome.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's
1: taken us a little while to get this arranged. Yes. Crazy summers, etc. So it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And Martha,
0: you know, we talk about pregnancy, we've both had kids. Well, how it, was yours? Well, it's <laughs> been a while, but best I remember, I was sailing through the first pregnancy, everything was going lovely. Get to the hospital they offer the epidural and i'm like heck yes bring that on <laughs> and i it was never a question for me and i still remember sitting on the bed leaning over and i made the mistake of looking at the needle and it was intimidating it was scary but all in all, I would highly recommend it. <laughs> but it turns out a lot of people are actually scared of epidurals. Stephanie, tell us tell us about some patients you've had.
2: Yes, there are a lot of misconceptions about anesthesia for childbirth, if it's for a vaginal delivery or a C-section. But I will start out by saying I've had two children myself, and I had epidurals for both, so I wouldn't subject patients to something that was knowingly unsafe. I wouldn't have had that myself. But we do have a lot of issues with women For different reasons that come in, not wanting an epidural, and we're very respectful of their wishes because we want to make this the greatest experience of their life to have a child. But we also want to let them know what the options are in case they change their mind. Mm -hmm. And the fact that sometimes it gets to be too late in the labor and delivery process where we can't actually intervene. We see this a lot culturally so there are some cultures that are very afraid of this kind of intervention and there's there's stories about people becoming paralyzed i can promise you that this is extremely extremely safe and again i would not have allowed myself to have two of these if it was something that is unsafe We do this every day. There's thousands of thousands of epidurals placed for labor and delivery throughout the entire world. And one issue with that is them being afraid that the baby is going to get a lot of medicine. I can let you know that that's not the case. And it's actually the baby gets barely anything, if any, type of medication. And there are... A lot of myths about having an epidural causes the patient to be in labor longer. That has been disproven by very large studies, objective studies, and also that women who have epidurals tend to have more C-sections. And that's also been misproven by the literature in very large studies.
1: I could see I could see women thinking, oh, my muscles will be disabled if I have an epidural. I won't be able to put... Like, I could see that where yes. that thought process goes. I will tell you that I'm a chicken ship. And so I ended up being... Getting something, I'll tell you this later. When I when I was pregnant, but I was like a very healthy pregnant woman. But when I went to my doctor in Santa Monica, California, I was actually trying to schedule a C section. <laughs> I was like one of those women who was like, "So, if I wanted a C section," and then I was really worried. I did end up having a C section because I actually got listeriosis when I was pregnant.
2: That's unbelievable. It was wow. crazy
1: from eating a, an unwashed salad at a restaurant, and I was the healthiest pregnant woman. And at seven and a half months pregnant. You can let me know if this is true. They say that your immune system is so low for a couple of weeks. It's the only time during your
2: pregnancy that it's low. Have you ever heard that? I, I'm not. I am can't speak to that. I'm not sure about that part. Not really. Heard okay. That. Yeah. They said
1: that there's just a window where you can get something. And so I guess I ate an un- unwashed salad and we literally both almost died. Like it was, it was terrifying. Oh I could mm-hmm. hear them saying it. They gave me spinal tap. Like all this stuff happened in in that moment. And then it all worked out. So mm-hmm. like, like by the time I was eight and a half months pregnant, I was fine.
0: Well, I was going along smoothly. Everything was great. But along the way, my dad passed away when I was pregnant. And then I ended up running his business, which turned out to be pretty stressful. So I developed high blood pressure the last two weeks and had to be on bed rest. And I know preeclampsia... Yes, preeclampsia is pretty common and happens a lot.
2: Yeah, it it really does and it can be a very serious illness because it can range from mild to moderate to severe and when you get into the severe ranges, it can progress to a very dangerous illness right. called eclampsia and have a lot of other complications like a heart attack or kidney failure wow. or you know heart failure that can ha- stroke that can occur with this with severely high blood pressures and that's when the obstetrician will make a decision about timing of delivery question. So is yes. that what
1: causes it? Is high blood pressure?
2: Well, it's actually, it's a systemic disease. So learning more and more about it, it has to do with really some issues with the placenta. It's called a placental disease. Mm-hmm. And obstetricians know much, much more about this than I do, but it is a disease that affects all of your organs in your body when you do get it. So it puts the mother at undue risk, mm-hmm. but it's acute. So one day you might be feeling fine, then the next day all of a sudden you don't start, you start not feeling well, you feeling like you're swollen your face is swollen your arms and legs are swollen you just don't feel good you're exhausted you go literally from one day being fine to the next day being potentially very ill Mm -hmm. and so the obstetrician has to look at the pros and cons of when the delivery needs to happen looking at the maternal risk and the risk to the child and make a decision about when we have to go ahead and either induce labor or potentially do a c-section depending on what's going on with the mom and the baby.
1: So let's talk natural childbirth Mm -hmm. versus getting an epidural. What would you, like, do you just follow the wishes of somebody if they come in and say to you, this is what I really want? What if somebody wants a natural childbirth, like my sister-in-law, when my brother delivered the baby in the
2: house? (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, that's (laughs) that's extreme. Um, So besides the cultural issues with women that don't want to have epidurals, there are a group of women that we are very happy to take care of that don't want to have any intervention or the least intervention possible. And it isn't just from the anesthetic standpoint, but it's also from the interventions about whether or not they would get started on a drug to help with labor like pitocin or other medications. We are, you know, very open to that. Again, we want this to be a great experience for women. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of women now that come in with doulas. And those Mm -hmm. are people who help women through labor. And they usually have a very specific birth plan. Yes, It's written out. It's been discussed with the obstetricians with anesthesia with nursing, so that we can really try to keep to their wishes but sometimes things with these babies on OB like I had to have an emergency c-section when I had my first child and there was no discussing I don't want this I don't want that it was just we have to deliver just this the baby immediately and so we try to adhere to the wishes But these babies do crazy things at any minute. And so sometimes it's the woman who has no epidural going through labor and all of a sudden needs an emergency C-section and it's going to require anesthesia.
0: Well, one of my best friends has five kids. And by the fifth pregnancy, she is extremely laid back. She's like, yeah, I'm having contractions. Who cares? I'm going to sit here. I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to hang out and chillin. Everything's good. Well, just like that. (laughs) It was not good. And yeah. she had to zip to the hospital and literally the baby was coming out as she's checking in and she's screaming and freaking out. Please give me an epidural. It was way too late. It was way too late. Yeah.
2: And so with, yeah. with first pregnancies... The labor process is much longer usually. We do have some subset of patients that come in and have what we call precipitous labor where they come in and two hours later they deliver as a first pregnancy, which is not common. So it's more prolonged, so a lot more time to be in that pain. And so we have a lot of women that come in that do not want epidurals. We can put them in, usually, we would say eight to nine centimeters is when we will still try to go ahead and get an epidural in, but sometimes it does get too late where we cannot. And so we do our best to help, but we also want to, you know, just make sure we're we're following the wishes of the patient if possible. I can't give you an exact percentage, but I would say out of my experience with my patients, If 10 out of 10 women that want to come in and do complete natural childbirth, maybe two will succeed at that. Mm -hmm. Again... You, when you don't know what labor pain feels like or the whole process, which has a lot of scary sensations. The pain is not great. You know, a lot of different things are happening to your body. There's just unexpected things that you can't anticipate when you come in and say, I want to have a natural childbirth.
1: Yeah, I want to speak to two things. First of all, I want to say that I've known what a doula is for 20 years mm. because
2: we moved from California. I remember. Yes.
0: So I remember people like, are you getting a doula? Are you getting a doula? I was like, yeah. what the hell is that? Those, <laughs> yeah. those are the same people that give birth in the water, I feel like. Exactly.
1: Oh, I and, was like, I'm getting a nanny, not a doula. But <laughs> right, right, right. My brother did deliver his baby. So his wife is, you know, yoga, you know, very, mm-hmm. very natural. She was like, I want nothing. I want to do this mm-hmm. myself. They were in London. They were living in London at the time. And she was home, just like your friend, like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything. And literally the baby just starts coming out. And my brother's there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling was he you. by himself?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, my god, He gosh.
1: delivered the baby with their first child was, was there, too. Mm-hmm. He delivered their second child in the bed. Oh, over the phone with with the MS, like wow. literally, they're like, "Get some sheets, like, <laughs> yeah. oil
0: some water." The only
1: good news is they got there in time to cut the umbilical cord, so like it like it all worked out. Yes. They have oh, a healthy
0: kid, you know, who's eleven years old or nine years old, so it's good. Okay, well, <laughs> my story's not quite that good, but I didn't want a C section. I wanted to go through the real thing and experience the natural way, well, except or with the epidural. And I was in labor for 18 hours, and I couldn't get dilated that final bit. So they decided after 18 hours to do a C-section. And I know a lot of people are scared of C-sections. For me, it went really well. It was not a big deal. My recovery was great. But that's not the case for everybody.
2: And that's true. And cesarean sections are one of the most commonly performed procedures in the entire world and certainly in the United States. But it's a major surgery. So we do it so much that people just think, oh, it's no big deal. But it's a it's a big surgery. Sure. Mm -hmm. And as far as the anesthesia part goes, if a woman is in labor and has an epidural in place, that's working well. And we have time to actually put a whole bunch more medicine in there to get you numb to about your breast area. We want to have you awake for when the baby's born. Yes. Now, when we get into emergency situations, it all depends on timing. So if we have to have that baby out within five minutes and there's not time to put enough medicine in that epidural or to do a different technique called a spinal, then we're going to have to go ahead and induce general anesthesia, which means going to sleep all the way through your IV. Mm -hmm. And we don't like to do that unless we absolutely have to because we want again the moms to be awake it's a little bit more risky for pregnant women to go to sleep we certainly know how to take care of them but well, we that, try to avoid it if that's possible. how they did it in the olden days right because yes. I remember my mom saying I, I went
0: to sleep and yeah. I woke up
2: and there you were and there you were and even the twilight sleep so they used to do twilight sleep like what you'd have for a colonoscopy today yes. right. they okay. would do that for childbirth and I huh. do not know how they got those babies out but they must <laughs> use forceps or something but yeah we don't do that type of anesthesia any more for women in labor okay yeah.
1: well martha knows the story but when i had my c-section first of all it's actually very easy i'm just a chicken so <laughs> when they kind of wheeled me out my doctor came and I'm, I'm lying there and i'm all numb like you said i felt nothing and my husband's there and he's in the medical business and he loves this kind of stuff so he's all interested i'm terrified and literally my the the doctor walked into the room and he was wearing rubber clogs and i passed out <laughs> because all I could think about is why is he wearing rubber clogs oh, what's going to happen to me and then i had asked him if he could do special stitching so i wouldn't have a
2: scar i'm just like the worst pregnant woman ever so, there's a lot of pregnant women that are that are concerned about that and actually some of the ob's where i worked out that they make the smallest scars possible so you can still wear a bikini with no problem yeah <laughs> so
0: mine's really low but i still don't wear a bikini
2: <laughs> yes a lot of different things are happening to your body during this process and, you know, hormones are raging and sometimes we're not thinking clearly and the pain mm-hmm. doesn't help that at all. But just when things start happening with the with the delivery process too, it's scary. It can be scary.
1: Well, I know we've got a lot of pregnant women out there or people who are thinking about having that second child or that third child or that fourth child. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, you can give us some more great stories and advice for pregnant women out there.
2: Would love to. Thank you.
1: So Martha, the other night I went out on a girls' night, and we were 10 people. The best part about Alto, we called Alto because we didn't want to drive, wanted to go out and have a few drinks and enjoy ourselves, was that each car holds up to six people comfortably.
0: I know, that's why I, use, I love to use Alto too when I go on a girls' night out. The drivers are amazing, they're extremely personable, the cars are safe, and they're so easy to identify you'll see a picture of your driver come up on the app before they even arrive. And when you get in the car, your picture's up on their dashboard, so there's no question if you're getting in the right car. No, and it means they can spot you. And
1: of course, I love that other feature where you can click on your app and their lights light up. Right. So you know exactly
0: which car is yours. Definitely.
1: So ladies, when you're ready for a girls' night out, call on an Alto and take the stress out of driving. So I'd like you to take out your phones right now and send a text to 474747 with the word bubble, that's B-U-B-B-L-E, and get
0: $25 off your first two rides with Alto. Alto, reach your destination on your terms. Welcome back from the break. We're here with Dr. Stephanie Byerly. And over the break, we were sharing pregnancy stories and just when we brought our babies home and different things like that. And I was saying that afterwards, when I came home for the first like month or so, I had this really strange high almost. Like I was insanely happy, even though I wasn't getting sleep. I was waking up all night long, breastfeeding. I had this like just huge burst of energy and happiness. And I understand that's not really normal. That's not the case with a lot of people.
2: I think that's true. I think most people get exhausted, you know, in the first several months because it's just so challenging and it's just something so different. I mean, their life has been turned upside down. I always look back and it's not that it's funny, but when you see them come in and they're so excited when they come in to have their baby and then after they have the delivery, when we go see them the next day, they all both look exhausted like (laughs) like, a truck. Yeah, like a a truck has, you know, and nowadays there really isn't a nursery per se where they keep the baby. So they want the mom and the dad, you know, to, to really bomb with the baby, so they pretty much have the baby almost all the time, so there's really no rest, you know, (laughs) getting anymore. But there are some issues that women face, and one of those is postpartum depression, which is a very, very real situation. Obstetricians are really on the lookout now for that, and identifying patients that might be at risk, and really working on treatment plans for that, because that can be obviously very serious as Mm -hmm. far as taking care of the baby. Families can be very affected, and it can have long-term effects on the mom, Mm -hmm. so certainly something that we're trying to identify and treat pretty quickly
0: well in my case could it was it the drugs was it the epidural how long do, do those things stay in your system so
2: as far as epidural and the drugs that barely any of it actually gets into your system per se it works really at a local level in your spinal cord but those drugs usually go away certainly within 24 hours we do have some long-acting morphine that we give that lasts for about 24 hours but after that it's pretty much gone out of your system so you must have just been so elated to have a baby <laughs>
1: No, here's the theory. I think that Martha actually left with that little wheelie thing <laughs> with the bag in her arm, and that's why that she said. and the morphine. No, no, no. Actually, I felt the same. I have to be honest. I, like I said, I was a little bit reluctant. I was a little bit afraid to have a child, and especially after going through almost dying, etc. I was elated as well. Like I, I literally can still say to this day with my 15 year old that having Charles was the best happiest surprise from the second it happened after the rubber clogs on. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure, like you said, a lot of women don't feel that way or, you know, maybe they have other situations at home that are going right. on. The that social affect them. situations can yes. be very
2: different, and how much help they have, and yes. if they have other children to take care of at the same time, and yeah. you know how complicated their delivery was or their pregnancy.
1: And are there? So, what are the negatives? Give us some negative stories. What happens to some women when they when they come out? The, the, the story, stories you've heard or experienced.
2: Well. As far as the anesthesia standpoint, you know, when we talk about if you had an epidural, I can tell you your back's going to be sore for a couple of weeks. You're going to have a bruise, possibly, or it's going to feel like you have a bruise, actually, at the area of your spinal cord where they put that in your spine, the bones in your back. But really, there's not any long-term effects from the anesthesia. It's rare to have any kind of complication. Women do associate chronic back pain that they get after pregnancy with an epidural. We actually use epidurals to help people with back pain. So I think a lot of it has to do with picking up Car seats, picking up babies, bending mm-hmm. over all the time to change diapers, things they've not done in the past, and now they're feeling like that they, their back is hurting a little more than normal and associating it with having a needle stuck in your back, which is a natural you know, progression, but yeah. I'm, I'm here to tell you that the risk is extremely low of having any kind of complications from an epidural or any of the type of anesthesia that we provide unless you have some extenuating circumstances like other illnesses that make things a little more complicated.
1: Well, that's an interesting misconception, because mm-hmm. I could see people people thinking that, like, absolutely. that's all because of that epidural.
2: Right, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And one thing that we are very cognizant of now with the opioid epidemic is there's something called opioid use disorder. And the, the the studies now say that one in 300 women who have a C-section might develop this after delivery. And one they feel in three, yes, one in 300, wow. which is a huge number, if you consider the number of deliveries that we do per sure. year. Mm-hmm. And they think that part of it is the stress of being a new mom, but also the amount of pain medication that they're getting when they leave the hospital. And so obstetricians and anesthesiologists are definitely working together to try to decrease the amount of opioids that we give during the whole labor and delivery process and use other medications like Tylenol and Motrin or there's a, a whole cadre of other drugs that are non-narcotic that we use now mm-hmm. and trying to give certainly less narcotic medications after surgery because the the thought is, is that it's very available if you go home with a giant bottle of of narcotic and, mm-hmm. and you maybe use it for a week, but then you're like, oh, maybe I'll try this again. It'll just help me relax or make me feel a little better. And that's part of the theory about women, why they might be developing this opioid mm-hmm. use disorder. All right. Question, wouldn't that
1: affect the baby if you're breastfeeding?
2: Yes, it it could affect the baby for sedation and other reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's why we just try not to give a large amount of this medication anymore. Right. Yes. But mostly the effects on the mom.
1: Well, there are so many misconceptions about anesthesia in general. Yes. You know, I just, you know, every time I have anesthesia, and I don't say it like I'm having it all the time, but (laughs) my mother actually had colon cancer, so therefore I'm very aware of issues like that, and I get checked all the time. And when, when I do go in... Every time I'm terrified of going under and I ask questions, like, you're so reassuring sitting here. Like, every time I'm like, what's going to happen? Could I die? You know, what are the risks? I mean, what are the actual risks of anesthesia?
2: So, I will tell you that almost every patient that I go see before surgery is the same. They're they're terrified more of the anesthesia than they are of the surgery. Mm-hmm. I had to have two recent surgeries within the last 6 months and I was a little worried about the anesthesia part, but I knew intellectually that the risk was so low because I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a healthy person, the risk of any kind of complication at all is pretty rare. Now, certainly if you have disease, Diseases that make it more complicated, like heart disease or neurologic disease, you know, there are some additional risks. It just depends on how severe your illnesses are and the procedure that you're going to have. But anesthesia is so safe today. We take care of 90, 100-year-old patients wow. for procedures 20, 30 years ago they never would have considered. I took care of a 100-year-old patient to have a kidney taken out because they thought he was going to live so much longer that it was worth the risk of doing the surgery. Wow. And we, he he did great.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've also read that extremely overweight people are very susceptible to problems with anesthesiology.
2: They are in certain situations. So when we put somebody who's very obese to sleep and they have something called obstructive sleep apnea, they're more at risk of having breathing complications post-operatively and they're more sensitive to narcotic medications and just because their physiology of their heart and lungs is a little bit different, we have to do some special considerations but it certainly brings another level of care to the table. So
0: it's important to tell people to really take care of themselves and try to get in a little bit better shape before they get yeah, pregnant. But
2: yes, for multiple reasons for them and for the baby. There are some diseases like diabetes if certainly there's a risk if you're obese to start mm-hmm. and you don't really eat well and follow what you're told right. to eat that you could develop gestational diabetes which definitely has long term effects I on the I remember all child. those tests. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not always that this patient is not following the guidelines but these things just happen to people sometimes no matter what you're doing. But certainly if you take care of yourself better while while you're pregnant, the chances are lower.
1: So are more women having babies safely?
2: They are, and we're taking care of more women that are older. Mm-hmm. I took care of a 50-year-old patient who had twins. Wow. And so we're dealing with you know older women who sometimes have more diseases, mm-hmm. and so it, it can make it a little bit more complicated. But we're taking care of sicker and sicker women who 20, 30 years ago would n- never have been advised to get pregnant So that's why now there's special maternal fetal medicine, obstetricians who specialize in taking care of sick women. There's anesthesiologists like myself that specialize in taking care of pretty sick women when they're pregnant to get them through this experience because we're very fortunate. Medicine is so far advanced, anesthesia, obstetrics, that for the most part, we get pretty much everybody through. It's sometimes unfortunate things happen, but they're rare. That's so
0: great that things have come along because, you know, back in the old days, especially in the movies, women would die from complications. And And it's such a message of hope. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's been
1: so great to have you on the show, Stephanie. Again, Stephanie Byerly. Thank you very much. Board Certified Anesthesiologist here in Dallas. Thank you so much. And that's been our show. I'm Nellie Shuto.
0: And I'm Martha Jackson. And you've been in the Bubble Lounge. We'll catch you next week.